Good morning, everybody. It's Jeff Goldberg for the Sales Pro Network. Today is Thursday, August 3rd. What? Thursday? We usually do this on Fridays. Yes, today is a special bonus episode of the Sales Pro Network, and we're waiting for our guest to arrive. He's an in-demand speaker, trainer, coach, mindset guru. Uh, while we're waiting for him to arrive, I'll just say a couple of words. Uh, if you don't know me, I'm a sales coach and trainer. I work with both individuals and organizations internationally to help you achieve measurable and sustainable sales increases. I founded the Sales Pro Network as a place where we can elevate the profession of sales, where salespeople can hang out and network with each other, where you can get the right mindset, the right instruction, the right help, ask for questions, get great coaching. And of course, every Friday at 10 a.m. Eastern, we do a live interview with somebody who can add value to the profession of sales. Today is no exception, even though it's not Friday, and I see our guest just arrived. We're going to bring him in in just a second. Uh, if you're watching us live, please say hello in the comments. If you're watching us live on Facebook, but have not con uh, connected your account to StreamYard, it's just going to say Facebook users. So if you do say hello, or if you have any questions for our guest today, please include your name. And finally, if you're watching us on the replay, please be sure to uh, say replay in the comments. And today's guest is the author of the reinvention formula the subtitle is how to unlock a bulletproof mindset to upgrade your life please welcome my friend and i'm honored to call him that craig siegel good morning craig great morning big jeff um, there's no place in the world i'd rather be every time we get together it's magic thank you so much for having me back i think this might even be the third time love you guys let's have some fun let's get nuts Absolutely. No place you'd rather be. I think you have an event coming up in Beverly Hills, so that might be just a drop more fun than this, but we'll talk about that later on. Uh, Craig, would you like to maybe just introduce yourself quickly for those who haven't seen your previous two interviews here? Tell everybody your two-minute story about what you brought, brought you up to this point. Okay. I'll try to I'll try to put it all into two minutes. So you got three of them. Whatever, you, whatever it needs, my friend. I'm a global keynote speaker. Uh, I'm an author of this, which you're the first person to ever see this because this just came in last night. The reinvention formula um entrepreneur community coach mentor one of the biggest podcasts in personal development sponsored by mark cuban but it wasn't always like that three years ago uh, i reinvented myself in the pandemic prior to that i had been on wall street for 13 years i was making money um and something that i learned during that season was that making money doesn't necessarily equal success definitely a part of it but not the whole thing and i find myself burnt out wasn't exactly putting a dent in the universe and I was in a really dark season and it was, it was dark. It, it was, this was my rock bottom and a couple of things happened at once. I had just got out of a toxic relationship, um, which is never fun. My best friend, my dad had just gotten diagnosed with cancer, still battling. And, and like I said, even though I had my own business and I was making money, it was soul sucking to say the least on Mondays, forget about making it to Friday. I mean, I was trying to make it till 10 AM. That's how miserable I was. And I was drinking a little bit more than I'd like to admit but I didn't stay there long. Talk about divine intervention. All of a sudden I discovered the sport of running and I'd never been a runner before. And, and let me elaborate. You couldn't pay me to run years ago. And, and now the irony is, is I'm literally paying to run marathons, which is hilarious if you think about it. In fact, we just signed up for New York City, which is coming up. Uh, all that being said, the running was a pivotal season for me because it gave me purpose and meaning in a season when I was desperately searching for something. Wasn't looking to become a pro, just looking to find myself. And I did, but I was still at my JLB. Fast forward the pandemic, bang. I give this thing a couple of nicknames, the great separator, a global awakening. But for me personally, it was a historic opportunity to reassess. If not now, then when? And I just got really quiet for the first time in my life. 
I blocked out the noise and the interference and I really just connected. And I started getting these spiritual downloads and it was like, of course, I'm obsessed with personal development, have been for 15 years. I asked myself what I'm good at. Everybody's good at something. We all have skill sets. And it occurred to me that humbly I can communicate pretty effectively, just like you, Jeff. And so I married those two. Literally the next day in a run in Central Park, my CLS brand came to me, Cultivate Lasting Symphony, or a play of my initials, Craig Landon Siegel, came back, put together a big vision, because there's a big difference between a dream and a vision. Everybody's got dreams. My vision was specific. I looked at myself as the apple of personal development. I dream big. And I created a 10-lane highway. I don't want to rely upon one thing. Coaching, speaking, author, podcast, sponsorships, mentorship, all the things. I reverse engineered it. I said, what's step one? Let's build a personal brand. I was about to lean in. Then the voice in my head came. A lot of people call it imposter syndrome. I don't want to give it power. I don't typically like the word syndrome, but it was a limiting belief. And then I considered the cost of inaction, of going back and being miserable. And I made it so real for myself that I associated that with death. And so all of a sudden, the scariness of stepping into the unknown and the unpredictability, that transformed into excitement because I wasn't going back. And so I leaned in and I said very humbly over the last three years, the brand has exploded. One of the top podcasts on the planet, celebrities speaking to uh, everyone in the world that's a thought leader, entrepreneur, movie star, athlete, sponsored by Mark Cuban, the record first time author book deal, coaching, all the things, sold the business on Wall Street, wasn't just a career reinvention, fiance, we just got a, a brand new puppy who you may or may not hear in the background during this call, hopefully you don't, all the things, um, and, and that's been my story over the last couple of years, and I hope that gave you the context you guys were looking for. Absolutely, positively, and, and I was going to ask you, you know, I, I know that you recently, uh, maybe six, eight months ago, you know, took up whiskey, but not the kind of whiskey we think. Are, are we going to see whiskey today? Um, you know what? Usually I would say I hope not because he goes crazy during these calls. Um, but maybe right now he, he's munching on my fiance's shoe. He's a little bit of a menace, if I'm being honest. There might be a cameo for sure. Okay, we'll, we'll wait for that. So, um, Craig, you know, there's so many things I'd like to talk to you about. One of them is, uh, you know, there's a lot of talk today, you know, it's often used in politics about cancel culture. culture. And you want to cancel playing small. Why do so many people, why do so many of us play small? And what can we actually do about that? Oh, man, what a great question. And that's like the billion dollar question right now. And one, one of the big parts of my mission right now is to is to buy into cancel culture, but only to cancel playing small. And I know that all of us are here for a really big reason. And it's our responsibility to identify what that is and then use our God-given gifts, because they're not ours, they were given to us, and make a massive impact, contribute, and unapologetically make a lot of money. And I think that a lot of people are playing small and they're playing safe. And, and they're like, it's like that analogy of the ship in the harbor. They're not like putting themselves out there. And I think the reason why this happens, Jeff, is because people are, they fear, number one, unpredictability. They fear failure. They fear some people fear success. But I think a lot of people fear what other people might think of them. And that's why I think two things to really let go of. Everyone wants to talk about what you have to add to have success, but what about what you can subtract? And two things to let go of are taking things personally and caring what other people think of you. And I know this is a little cliche, but what other people think of us is none of our business, right? And a lot of people are gonna have a lot of opinions and judgment as we continue to shed old skins and identities and really spread our wings. And so I encourage everybody that knows that they're here for something more than they're currently settling for and wants to play bigger, 
is to make it less about other people and, and, and really dive in on who you can help. Who am I adding value to? If I begin to play bigger and shine my light, who might that affect in a positive way? Don't make it about yourself. Who cares what people think? That's the ego. Who can I help? And, and when you make it about that, you're able to play much bigger. And I want to see a lot of people start playing much bigger. It's great. Yeah, I, I had lunch with a uh, business associate yesterday and uh, I said something to her and she goes, wow, you know, thank you so much for sharing so honestly and openly. You know, not many people will do that. You know, why are you so comfortable with that? And I said, and pardon my French, everybody, I don't normally use foul language on this broadcast. Others have. But I said, because I don't give a fuck what you think. No offense. I like you very much and I respect you, but I don't care what you think of me. I'm not here to impress you. I'm going to say who I am and I'm going to be who I am. And you're going to judge whatever you want, but I don't care. That's not a, that's not on me. Your your judgment is on you. So be whoever you're going to be. That's why I'm able to share with you so honestly. Uh, the, the other side of that, though, and you said it enough. Uh, uh, you know, anybody who's read the book, The Four Agreements, uh, knows at least this one. And this is the one I struggle with. How do you not take things personally? That, that's the one. I, the other three agreements I'm very good with, but that one I, I struggle. Because who gives a shit? First of all, hearing you curse was like like uh, refreshing. I loved it. I'd love to see more <laughs> of that out of you. It really hammered home the point. How do you care? How do you stop caring what other people think? It, like who gives a shit? Like like spoiler alert. We're not going to be here forever. You know, like this is a short trip. This human experience. So if you stop and like throw stones at every dog that barks, like. You're never going to be able to get forward. So you have to make a commitment that you're not going to be for everybody. And you shouldn't even want to be. And I'm not saying don't care what anybody thinks because as human beings, we're actually wired to care what people think. But what I am encouraging your listeners is to be selective. Care what the right people think. If, you, if your parents or your spouse have a suggestion or opinion, doesn't mean you have to take it, but maybe be open to it. But like trolls or haters – most people that have an opinion, they look at you doing big things and they resent the fact that they're not. That's just the reality. So who gives a shit? Make a commitment to care only what the right people think. And even that, I would say, stick to your gun, stick to your intuition and really dive in on, on why you're doing this in the first place and block out the noise. Yeah. So, so I'm, I'm good with that, but it's still the personal side, though. You know, as you know, I do stand up comedy and look, when the audience doesn't laugh at a joke, it's personal. You know, the, the, they're saying, sorry, Jeff, that one just didn't work. And it, it, it's hard to not take that person. Now, now the way I work with is like, I, I'll usually say something like, hey, I don't care whether you guys laugh or not. I thought it was funny. And that usually gets a laugh, too. But the truth is, it, it does feel personal. Is there is there anything we can do to to lower that feeling or get rid of that? I would just say, like, shift the paradigm with that. Like, if, if you're a stand up comic and you make a joke and other people didn't laugh, I, I would just say, Instead of being a victim mentality, like how can I have done a better job moving forward to connect with the audience? How can I improve? Everything that happens in life is really just feedback. So you have a choice, right? Do you want to think about it as screw them? They didn't. They weren't into my sense of humor. Or would you like to choose? They didn't really dig that that joke, or maybe they didn't understand the punchline. How can I communicate it in a more effective manner moving forward? And I think if you choose a ladder, that'll just be more productive. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what, what I do is I, I tend to look at what, what's my commitment. And my commitment when I first got on stage to do comedy was I want to get laughs. And a comic friend of mine gave me some great advice, and I shifted that to I want to give the gift of laughter. So when a joke doesn't go over, it's like, 
all right, need to work on that one because my job is to give the gift of laughter. It's not to get a laugh, it's to give it. So uh, I like that. But I want to, I, I think this leads into what I really want to talk to you about today. What is reinvention and why is reinvention so important to us? Yeah, it's, it's so interesting because I'll be honest with you, we just secured a big TED talk, which is really exciting because that's been something that's been on one of the lanes in the 10 lane highway for quite some time. And people are always asking me, like, what's next? What's next? And I'm like, I just want to live in the moment. But if you are asking, one of the things that's next is a TED talk. And one of the, and I haven't publicly announced what the theme is of this TED talk or what the big idea is, but I'll tell you, because we have that bond and your listeners. And, and one of the things that I want to reinvent is reinvention and how we're taught to think about reinvention. And when I talk about reinvention, I don't mean starting over or starting from scratch. It's what is that thing that we've been dying to do or we've been putting off forever, but we know in our soul that we're called to do it. Like for you doing stand-up, that's something that's really been tugging at your soul for quite some time. I wouldn't say you reinvented and started over by doing it, but you finally listened to that tug at your heart and look at you now and so forth and so. Took me 66 years, my friend. That's okay, that's okay. Better late than never. Are you 66? 68. Holy shit. What's your secret? Look great. Drugs and alcohol. <laughs> you really do look great. Okay, that's all. Thanks, bro. Um, look, if you've been successful in other areas in life, which everybody has in something, it wasn't the thing that made you successful. It was you. And those skill sets and characteristics are transferable. So use those to step into something fresh and you're not starting over. You're just finally not putting off anymore that one thing that you've been denying to do. And that's what I want everybody to do and lean into. Got it. So I, I don't want to give away all the secrets because I want everybody to go out and buy the book and I'm hoping to get an autograph copy myself. Uh, but what are some of the tangible tools people can use on their own reinvention journey? Yeah. So first and foremost, I would make two lists and one list I would I would start listing all the things that you absolutely love. What are you super passionate about? So for you, it might be stand-up comic. For someone else, it might be reviewing movies, collecting insects, whatever it is. Let's make a list of the things that we love. On the second list, I encourage you to write all your skill sets down, your superpowers, things that you happen to be good at, right? And this is what I did for CLS. And so for me, it was, I love personal development. I can communicate effectively. Let's find some data and commonalities there. And I married the two. For anyone else out there, you want to love what you do. We're going to spend a third of our life in our career. And I don't believe, I, I, I heard people recently say like, I'm just going to work on what I'm really good at. And then after I do that, then I could start to work on my passions. No, why not make your passions your career so you wake up every day and love what you do and monetize it? There's no reason as to why you can't. And so one good way to reinvent yourself is, is to find out what you love, what you're good at, and lean into those things. And it doesn't have to be perfect. In fact, I encourage everyone to give yourself permission to be less than perfect, but get in the damn arena, right? And if it's not the thing, it'll be the thing that leads to the thing, most likely. But you'll never know unless you step inside the arena. Wow. I I feel so validated because I've given, been giving out that advice for years and years. You you know, I'm sure that uh, as a professional speaker, you have to come off with confidence on the stage when you're speaking to an audience. Otherwise, they're not going to listen to your message. And because we come off with confidence, at least I found, you know, people come out up after talking, they want to shake your hand and tell you that you did a great job. And because you came off with confidence, they often ask questions. And 
often for me, there are questions that I have no business giving advice on. And the one I've heard many, many times is, I don't know what to do with my life. What do you think I should do with my life? And in my head, I'm going, why would you ask me? I'm a sales coach and trainer and a stand-up comedian. Why would you ask me about your life? But the advice I always give is this, figure out what you would do if the money didn't matter and find a way to make money doing that. Right. Because yeah. that's the key. That's, to me, that's, that's success. You nailed it. Like, what would you want to do next Monday? If you could wake up, you don't have to worry about monetizing. What would you wake up and want to do? Right. And let's get some clarity on that. And then we can figure out how to monetize it and turn it into something. I couldn't agree with you more. Perfect. So, so what actually inspired you to write the book, The Reinvention Formula? So when I created that 10 lane highway, which is a really good strategy for anyone that's building a brand or a business or anything, you don't want to rely upon one thing. You always want to be playing chess, so to speak. One of the lanes was a book deal. And for me personally, I didn't want to self-publish my first book. Not that there's anything wrong with that. Just for me, I looked at it like I wanted a, a major publishing house behind me because I don't know what I don't know. And I kind of thought of it like a, a big movie coming out with a studio behind it as opposed to an indie film. I'm a strange cat. That's just the way I thought about it. And so what I did was I put it out there, my big audacious goal, and, and I set the tone. But then I married the process and divorced the outcome. Because when you want something so bad, subconsciously you create resistance to it because you actually fear not having it. And that builds a blockage and bad energy. So it was on the list, it was on the vision board, but then I divorced and I just kept building the brand, making the impact, extending the reach, doing the damn thing, the day-to-day is the first down, so to speak. And then Wiley, the publisher, had come to us um, and they pitched us on, on the book deal. And, and what's interesting is I didn't even have a lit agent. I didn't even have a manuscript. And from what I hear from a lot of my friends and peers in the space, that's extremely rare. They came to us for the book deal. I renegotiated a very, very, very big advance. I wasn't afraid to lose the deal. They said yes, uh, and it just felt good. And so now it was game time. And then ultimately, they had a very tight turnaround because they said yes to the advance. And so I created a system and so forth. Um, and I really loved the process, and I could duplicate it in, in the future if I, if I see fit. Um, but I wanted to showcase to the world a couple things. Number one, this book, having been doing CLS now for a little over two and a half years, it's kind of like an official introduction as to who the hell we are and why should you care. But also, it's not a memoir by any means. I'm not Walt Disney or Steve Jobs yet. Yeah, um, there you go. But yeah, but, but, but what it is, is, it is definitely a little bit about my story, some of the rock bottoms, the lessons, um, the strategies that I extracted, but also the 15 years of tunnel vision with a personal development, studying NLP, which we've talked about in the past, Kabbalah, law of attraction, emotional intelligence, historic figures, all the stuff that I use to be successful in other arenas, such as business, running marathons, all of that into one vessel and I make it very digestible. And so I, I think this is the book the world needs right now. And I'm a, I'm a big book guy and I love self-help stuff. And I wanted to create something different. I always take pride in separating myself. And, I, and I, I feel very confident saying the world hasn't seen something quite like this, just in regards to, to being a hybrid of the, my story, but the lessons extracted and also the tools and principles. I'm super excited about it, in case you can tell. Uh, I am too. I can't wait to read it. And, and you know, Wiley, you don't, it doesn't get much bigger than that. Uh, and I love what you just said about, you know, I negotiated a huge deal and I wasn't afraid to lose it. I teach salespeople that all the time about negotiation. You can't negotiate effectively unless you can walk away. You may not want to, but unless you're able to say, you know what, screw this, I'm not doing it. You can't negotiate effectively. The other person owns you. And a, a lot of what you, in fact, most of what you do is really focused around mindset. Uh, 
this may be a stupid question, but why is having a good mindset so important in life and certainly in sales? Mindset is literally everything in life. I mean, it's the same reason why, like, if you wake up and you're on fire for life, great things are going to happen. You're going to be a magnet and you're going to go after and play offense. But if you wake up and you're in a very disempowered state and your mindset is negative and you have negative thoughts, it's very likely that you're not going to have the most productive day. Now, here's the good news. You can actually transform from reactive to proactive, and you can be very intentional with the thoughts that you allow to plant seeds inside your mind, and then they will create empowering beliefs. Like, I am worthy. I can think big. I can do great things. And like when you talk about sales a lot, like it takes me back to my Wall Street days, and an example would be like when you have a great mindset and you're let's just say you're pounding the phone, right, old school, and like getting leads and opening accounts and stuff like that. When you have a good mind state or you're in a good frame of reference, a good state, it doesn't matter what somebody really says. You have a rebuttal for every objection. You're on fire. You're building rapport and you just have great energy and bring it on and and great things are going to happen. But if you have a bad mindset, it's like you're already thinking, oh, what if they say no or what if they don't like my product or should I follow up with them? Am I annoying? You start having all this bullshit inside your head. And so it's so important that you cultivate a healthy mindset. And by doing that, one way to achieve that is affirmations, like like continuously telling yourself positive things. And when you find yourself in that lowered state, just understanding that thoughts are not facts. And you can literally step back and be an observer. Your thoughts are going with or without you. So be selective on the ones you want inside your mind. And then do things to cultivate momentum. That puts you in a higher frequency. And you just want to stay on fire and elevated. And so the good news is, is for anyone out there that has a negative mindset right now, it's just temporary. You can change it. If you can acknowledge it and you can see it, then you can do things about it, like being more strategic with your thoughts, creating new beliefs and so forth. And so I believe wholeheartedly that mindset separates the best from the rest. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, Your brain is always listening to everything you say. And it wants you to be right. So I, I love that morning routine thing. I, I have a 10-minute morning routine as I'm – he's laying behind me, so I can't say it. W-A-L-K-ing, the D-O-G. Otherwise, he would have jumped up just now. And oh, I'm, yeah. I, I'm speaking out loud as I'm out on the street with a smile on my face. And I know I look like a dope, but I believe that that, that you know releases uh, the good chemicals in your brain when you smile. And I'm actually saying positive things to myself. Every Today's going to be a great day. Only incredibly wonderful things are going to happen to me and my family. I mean, it goes on for 10 minutes, but it's a great way to start the day as opposed to, oh, crap. I can't believe I have to go to work today. Uh-huh. Uh, if, if I, I say if you, if you wake up every day saying, I can't believe I have to go to work today, you need to find something else to do. I mean, I couldn't agree more. And, and just to be clear, that was me for a, a very long time and then I reinvented myself and whether you like me or not, and it was very hard to believe anyone would not like me, I pivoted very successfully. And so that's one of the big messages to showcase that anyone can pivot successfully and, and do things that you love and monetize it and you nailed it. If you're waking up and saying, oh, and dreading the day, that alone is feedback that you're in the wrong arena. And just to be clear, can you find love and joy in the thing that you're already in? I suppose you could, but ultimately it's always going to be an uphill battle. Like even for me, a few years back when I pivoted from my original wall street and then I started my own business, I didn't love it. Um, but I, it wasn't, I didn't hate it, but like 
I, I give everything I got to everything I do, but there were days when I had to like, as Tony Robbins would say, like prime my state to get excited about the day, but that's not sustainable. And, and if it is, why would you want to have to prime your state every single day? Wouldn't you rather just wake up and, on fire and love what you're doing? Now, that's not to say there's not going to be some bad days, especially with entrepreneurship is, you know, like it could be a little bit of a roller coaster, but ultimately you love what you do. So you're more inclined to weather the storm. So I'm so happy that you hit on that point. And I want everybody to find what you love. So how do you actually define success and what does it mean to be successful across all facets of life? Yeah. Yeah. I see you've been doing a deep dive on my content, which I absolutely love. And I want to reiterate, success is not dominating in just one area. I was having success from a monetary standpoint a few years ago, but I was miserable, right? So is that successful? Absolutely not. So I think that, in my opinion, you should strive to be successful in all the areas, your career, your relationships, spirituality, faith, whatever that looks like for you fitness. I think you should have a routine. It doesn't mean you have to be running marathons, but something to keep your vessel in shape, so to speak, or your heart. And you want to strive to be making progress in all those areas. If you're making a ton of money, but you're miserable or you have bad relationships or you're extremely overweight and unhealthy, that's not successful. If you're extremely healthy, you're on fire and you're running ultra marathons, but you can't pay your bills, that's not successful. So you want to, and I never like the word balance, but you want to strive to be balanced across all those areas and be making progress towards your goals in all the things, career, finances, faith, spirituality, relationships, fitness, and everything in between. Yeah. Uh, I've heard other gurus, including one of my, my others besides you, uh, James Arthur Ray says balance is bullshit. It's all about harmony. Ooh, good one. Yeah, he's really very cool. Um, you, you brought up something a couple of moments ago, and because I follow you closely, I know that you are committed to health and fitness. You often post pictures of you, uh, you know, doing pull-ups and running and stuff like that. Does that come easy for you? And if not, because you make it look easy uh, in these videos, if not, how do you how do you how do you get motivated on the days if they happen when you wake up and go, oh, I just don't feel like it today. Because I know how I feel if I don't get a workout in. And I, I feel like I lose my edge. And I don't want that. So for me, working out seven days a week is non-negotiable. And just to be clear, because I know that sounds maybe a bit extreme to some people, but it's not so much about looking good like it was years ago when I was more immature and seeking validation. Yes, looking good naked is a great thing. But for me, it's where I do my best connecting. I cultivate an edge. I think I get great ideas. It's like a portal to expansion with creativity. And also I get to cross something off the list before the day even starts. And that gives me a sense of accomplishment. It's almost like a dopamine hit, not to mention endorphins is a real thing too. So I know if I don't work out what I feel like, and I want to prevent that to the best of my ability. So as a result, as long as I'm able, sometimes like I traveled, I was in Nashville speaking on Tuesday all day going nuts, speaking podcast. And then I came home yesterday, literally off the plane from JFK. And then I had back to backs all day long, but I planned that into my schedule in advance. So right now I'm training for the New York City Marathon. Yesterday was not gonna have a run in it. So I planned that. Um, and ultimately I didn't work out yesterday. That's okay. Cause I, I typically work out every single day, but I know my schedule. 
And so this morning, I woke up a little bit extra early, banged up my midweek long run before my awesome calls with you and a couple other people. And you just have to plan in advance. But ultimately, fitness is so good for you for so many reasons, specifically the mindset aspect. I would encourage everybody to make it a part of your routine and make it non-negotiable. Yeah, I, I, I certainly waver on that one a lot. But this morning, uh, uh, I went for a 30-minute bike ride. I live uh, a block from the ocean, and there's a boardwalk near me. And I, I'm not just, you know, tooling along. I'm pounding. And, you know, you get done, and it's like there is that not only the feeling of accomplishment, but there is that endorphin rush. It's just like, oh, man, I'm ready to let me get a shower, and I can't wait to talk to Craig this morning. This is great. So Good. It, it's a great start to the day. And, and you say we were all born with a destiny. Um, any thoughts on for people who kind of wander through life and don't know what their destiny is? How can they discover their true purpose if, if we're not sure what it is? Before you answer, I, I want to just relate something quickly. I, I don't know if I ever shared this with you, but um, I was talking with my coach about uh, self-sabotage one day, and she said, you need to talk to Laura. Laura's a psychic healer. I don't know if you believe in that stuff. I do. Uh, she's an amazing lady. And I got on a phone call with Laura and she said, what would you like to deal with today? And I said, self-sabotage. She goes, okay, be quiet. Uh, you, you can kind of feel her inside your head and body. It's it's really amazing. And after a couple of minutes, she says, I'm going to tell you something, Jeff, I'm not feeling self-sabotage. I'm like, what? I spent an hour yesterday talking to Liz about that. You know, what are you talking about? She goes, I'm not feeling it, but there is something else I'm feeling. Would you like to know what it is? And I'm like, sure. She goes, you're not living your life's purpose. Well, there's an eye opener. Uh, and then she said, would you like to know what your life's purpose is? And as you can imagine, I said, yes, please. Now, I just have to back up and said, I never I, I'd had a couple of conversations with her before, had never said anything about I'm a funny guy or I like comedy or anything like that. And she says to me, your life's purpose is to be happy and to make other people happy by making them laugh. And Craig, when I say I was crying immediately, I wasn't just, oh, I was bawling because deep in here, uh, you can't see, deep in my chest, I felt I had just spoken, heard an ultimate truth that my life's purpose is to make other people happy through laughter. So I didn't know that. I mean, maybe it was way in the back of my mind somewhere, but it certainly wasn't in the forefront. For, so for those of us who don't have that, that destiny in, in front of our minds like you did, how do we discover that? Yeah. Number one, I'm so proud of you and I'm so happy for you because I think when I first met you, you were talking about how that was a passion of yours, but you haven't really leaned in yet and look at you now. Right. And ultimately I'm a big believer in three words. Clarity follows action. And for lack of better words, you got to try some new shit and you got to lean in to stuff that excites you or that you think might excite you. And then, like I said earlier, maybe it is the thing and you never look back like it was for me. Or maybe it's not the thing, but because you got in the arena, it's the thing that leads to the thing. Because you went there, you met someone or you heard an idea and that changed everything. So you have to try new things. And it goes back to that list I suggest everyone make. What are the things that you really love? What are you passionate about, right? And it doesn't matter what it is. Cultivate a list and see how we can be exposed to those things. And... I know there's a lot of people out there that are like, Craig, it's easy for you to say, but you can't monetize your passions. I, I say respectfully, bullshit. No one can prove me wrong because if you love something so much and you're passionate about it and you're willing to add value in regards to it, the money is just an energetic exchange. It's a byproduct. I believe that wholeheartedly. So 
find what you love and, and let's test it out and let's try some new things. You will never regret trying some new things, even if they don't work out or you look silly in the process, but you will absolutely 100% regret getting to the end of your life and not taking some swings or some shots on things that you were interested in. Shoulda, coulda, woulda. That's it. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, uh, uh, look, uh, I did lean in and I'm loving, for me, this is really a hobby. It's not like I'm looking to get rich from, from comedy. I, I'd certainly, I'm certainly willing to, and I'm open to the universe sending that my way. But in two weeks, I will be in the finals uh, of the Long Island Laugh-Off, which is an annual comedy event. Oh, yeah. I never thought that was going to happen uh, two years ago. I certainly didn't think when I entered the contest that I would make it to the finals. Uh, who knows what happens? It's certainly my intention to win, but my, my goal is, is well, I guess I should have been. I, I would love to win, and it is my goal, but my goal is really just to get up there and have a good time and give the gift of laughter. But great things come when you do take that risk. 100%. And like I said, give yourself a mission to be less than perfect. Take messy action and then release the expectation. Replace the expectation with the gratitude that you're even doing it in the first place. And that's when great things happen. Absolutely. You mentioned community before, and I know community is really the backbone of your business. And I, I love watching what, you, what, what you're what you doing. You, you've gathered a following of raving lunatic fans. Who, uh, and I'm wondering, <laughs> why is having a community so important to you? Oh, man. When I first started CLS, it occurred to me that no matter how good I could hopefully become, none of it matters if there's nobody there to engage with it. Right. And, and so for me personally, it was building a personal brand, but really for anybody, there's two components to community. Number one, if you're going to build a brand and you want people to get involved with what you have to offer, there's got to be a fan base. And I don't just mean an audience. Audience is just like metrics. A lot of people have fake followers, but a community, as you just attested to, are very loyal and engaging. And should you ever want to reinvent yourself, you're never starting from scratch because your community will be attracted to you because you are the vibe. And that's why their community is attracted to you. It's a magnet. And then the second component is, let's just say you're not building a brand. You want to have a community around you of people that are inspiring, doing big things. And ultimately, you want to be around people that have a common future with you, not so much a common past. And so be so selective with the community in real life. Like, who do you hang out with? Who are you listening to? Who are you getting ideas from? I think that's so important. And, and the truth of the matter is, is I don't have much in common. I don't even have many friends anymore from my past life. And that's by design. It's not that I'm right, they're wrong. I just don't have as much in common with them anymore. And so my new community of real life people, people like you, are people that I, I love that are doing great things that are all about growth, that are inspiring, that are uplifting, that whenever I interact with, I have a positive outcome. And so that's why I want to surround myself with it. And I encourage everybody to as well. So the two parts of community for sure. And not only have you built a, an amazing community of people who do um, follow you closely and love what you do, you, you're also amazing at attracting like world-class guests to your podcast. I mean, I'm constantly stunned, not stunned because I believe in you, but you just get these world-class people uh, to come on. It, it, it's really amazing to watch. Um, I wanted to ask you about the season of grind. I, I didn't, I didn't read about, I saw that you, you said something about that. And it just, it pulled me. I'm like, what is the season of grind and why is that important? Yeah, so the season of grind is irreplaceable for anybody starting something truly special. So I still consider myself in the season of grind because it's year three and I'm very, very hungry and I'm working a lot, but it doesn't feel like work to me because I absolutely love this. 
And so if you want to really create something epic, special, and really make a difference and put a dent in the universe, then you got to put in the work, especially in the beginning stages, right? And then hopefully you get to a point where you could begin to work smarter, not necessarily harder. You can grow, scale, delegate, hire, right? And hiring done right actually pays, doesn't cost. But ultimately in the beginning, you got to do everything. I, I mean, you got to burn the ships. You got to be all in. And if, if someone's listening to this right now and they're like, oh, that sounds intimidating. I don't think I want that. That's fine. But then you're not most likely going to get the results that you desire either. So anything worth having, anything really, period, has sacrifice, right? And, and I would encourage everybody to negotiate the price in advance. Because if you want to do something really, really big, there's going to be a lot of work about specifically in the beginning. I don't look at that as a negative. I love the season of grind. I embrace it. And just to be clear, it's not sustainable forever, but that's why it's a season of, of harvest and grind. And then you have the season of growth, but lean into that. That's where the magic happens. Yeah. And that's right in line with something I've taught all three of my kids from a very young age, which is there's a price to pay for everything. There's no free lunch. But you can have just about anything you want if you're willing to pay the price. You want to have a great body? You got to eat and work out like like you do, Craig, which I'm not willing to do. Uh, that's but, okay. Yeah. But, yeah but that's exactly right. Like if you want to be shredded, right, and if you don't have like, like a great genetics, what do you have to do to accomplish that? You have to eat really clean. And I know that's not for everybody. I totally get that. But if you're asking me what it would take to become shredded, if you don't have good genetics, you have to sacrifice the cheeseburgers and the late night snacks and stuff like that and really be disciplined. So it, whether it's building a business or, or getting into fitness or putting yourself out there for a relationship, there's always a sacrifice. But I think it's a good thing and lean into it. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't know who the, these folks are because they're on Facebook, but somebody says, let's go. And somebody else said, do epic shit. That's exactly right. I think that's what Craig is saying here. Um, there was something else you posted. And I didn't understand what that was. What is second thought? And how important is the power of second thought? Yeah, so it's no secret that most of the thoughts over the course of the day are negative. And the really successful people understand that and they have systems in place to overcome that, right? And so I would highly suggest to everybody, if you wake up and you're not in a great frequency, if you're not on fire, like we talked about earlier, choose a different thought. Right. So if, if you're not empowered today, if you're not on fire, understand that that's feedback. Say, thank you so much. I remember this nut job. Craig showed up with this crazy fresh hair piece talking to Jeff and told me about this. I have the ability to select intentionally and choose a second thought. For example, today's going to be an unbelievable day. I'm going to do great things today. I am worthy. I'm going to make one more phone call. I'm going to put myself out there. I'm going to make two more sales calls. I'm going to shake a couple hands. I'm going to work on myself. It's going to be a fantastic day. To me, that's much more empowering and likely to lead to positive outcomes than not choosing a second thought and staying in that negative frequency. So we have the power to choose a second thought. And I highly suggest everybody keep that in their repertoire and even keep it a, a database or an inventory of good thoughts that you can choose on days when you just don't have it. Yeah. I, I also advise people, uh, you know, that's the time you need somebody in your life that you can call that will pull you out, that, that will listen to you and then say, okay, got it. So what, what are you going to do now? I, I, so funny uh, how these things work out yesterday. Uh, I reached out to a coaching client of mine who'd been kind of hiding. I, I hadn't heard from him for a while. And, and I said, what's going on? And we actually jumped on a call. 
uh, things have been going so badly and uh, my contractor ripped me off and he, he, just shit's been happening to him. I said, dude, I don't understand. As soon as that shit starts happening, that's when you call me. Don't worry about getting charged for it. Just call me because I will I'll give you my best advice. I'll listen. And hopefully I can pull you out of that negative space that you're in. And let's get you positive. You, you don't want to wait till you're on the balls of your ass and then go, oh, now what do I do? Because it's much harder to come out of a you know deep hole than it is a little a little uh, indentation. So having somebody else that you can call like a Craig Siegel or, or some. Uh, it, it's, it's why I love listening to Tony Robbins tapes and things like that, you know, videos. It, it's like sometimes it just takes a dose of somebody else who has that energy and you catch it because it is contagious. It is contagious. Yeah, that's the right word. Yeah. yeah. I mean, if, if anybody listening has never been to a Tony Robbins seminar, go to a Tony Robbins seminar and try to be depressed. <laughs> you can't. I mean, it, it, there's so much energy. In the, I mean, that guy's amazing, uh, as you know. But uh, I wanted to ask you something else because you have another post. Why do you put so much stock into a firm handshake, which, by the way, I do, too. Uh, I hate the limbfish handshake and, and handwritten notes, which I also am a fan of. I just think it's old school. And I, I think I'm an old soul. And when you shake somebody's hand hard, not necessarily like you're trying to break their hand, but like you're showing them like I see you. Thank you so much for this interaction. Great to meet you or great to see you. It just sends a signal like that person's in the moment. And also they have confidence in themselves. And then on the flip side, like if somebody shakes your hand and like you could barely feel it, like that sends a signal too, in my opinion. That's and, that and, thing, you know, yeah, yeah, I just think if you look, this is just comes down to effort. Choose a firm handshake and, and it sends a message. Just like energy introduces you before you even speak. So does a handshake. And then in regards to a handwritten note. And by the way, let me interrupt. Looking people in the eye. Yeah, that's big too. Shake my hand and look me in the eye. That, that, you, you feel that connection. I love eye contact. I couldn't agree more. In regards to a handwritten note, I think that displays effort. If somebody could have easily typed an email or sent a text, but a handwritten note means that they took a second out of their day, grabbed a pen, wrote down, and then sent you something. And to me, that shows effort. And it goes a long way and it shows that someone actually gives a shit. And, and I think this day and age, sadly, you don't see a lot of that. And, and I think that something so simple as taking the time to craft up a handwritten note and delivering a firm handshake are very productive and they're accessible to everybody. And it makes you stand out. I mean, uh, I, I know you're not a sales guru, you're a mindset guru, but you know, this is stuff I teach salespeople all day long. You know, very few people send handwritten notes anymore. You know, I've been in sales almost 50, 48 years. Uh, you know, that every, every time we would look for reasons to send handwritten notes. Uh, it's why I, I like direct mail today. Almost yeah. nobody's doing that anymore. So it's a great way to stand out. Uh, it, do, do what the other person won't. That's it. I couldn't agree more. Um, I use the word, and, and I know you're big on this too. I use the word commitment a lot with my coaching clients. What, what's the difference between being interested in something and being committed? Yeah, phenomenal one. So think about it like this. If you're interested in something, you, your interest is peaked, you'll try it out. But the first sign of adversity or obstacles, you're done. You're going to crumble, most likely. But if you're committed, that means it's not negotiable Because in life, you don't get what you want you get what you're committed to. I could I could want to run a marathon in New York this year under three hours and 30 minutes. But unless I'm committed to training and putting in the miles and eating right, 
and understanding how to get faster, that's not going to happen most likely, right? So when you're committed, you're much more likely to weather the inevitable storms. Spoiler alert, life doesn't go up in a straight line. There's always adversity. But if you're committed, you're, you're a problem solver. You understand that and you can weather those storms and you have the long game mentality. And far too many people are interested. So many people come to me, for example, say, Craig, I can't believe what you've been able to do in such a short amount of time. Can you please coach me? I want to do what you're doing. And I always say back, I'm like, okay, but do you want to do what I did? And what I did in the beginning of the pandemic, while most people were, were binging that tiger show, drinking a bottle of wine a day, is I would sometimes stay up till two, three in the morning responding back to every single person that was gracious enough to leave a comment on my content. I was so grateful and I would stay up and I respond to all of them so I could develop that human connection. And that's also sales right there. And I would develop rapport and so forth. That's what I was committed to, right? If I was just interested, I would want all the glitz and the glam and the book deals and the podcast, but I don't want, I don't want to actually go the extra mile and build the relationships in the meantime. So that's the difference. If you want to achieve something really special and monumental for your life, you have you can't just be interested. You have to be committed. And recently, I started talking about even a third layer, and that's being all in. Yeah. Uh, once again, I, I I I hear the same things that you're saying coming out of my mouth. I, I I when I when I speak to people about possibly becoming my coaching client, I tell them up front, look, I don't care what you want. I don't care what you hope for. I don't care what your dreams are. I don't care about any of that crap. The only thing I care about is what you're committed to. As a human, I care about all that other stuff. But as your coach, I only care about what you're willing to commit to. You're committed to making a ton of money. I can help you do that, but I can't do it. I, I can't make you help $300,000 a year in sales if you just want to or you're dreaming about it. And do I believe goals are important? Absolutely, 100%. But unless you are committed to the goal committed to having a huge book deal, committed to being on major stages, committing to do a TED talk. It doesn't happen. Yeah. Nothing, nobody cares what you want. And you know, does, Jeff, but- you know what's so interesting? I, I discovered the third layer of all in. I used to think committed and all in were the same thing. And I recently realized that they weren't. Here's why. I'm very committed to running. I love it. It's a great outlet for me. Um, and I want to do great. And I'm willing to put in the work. I'm, I'm, I'm not just interested. I'm committed but I'm all in on CLS and my fiance. So in other words, like if I had to choose like between a run or doing something that's gonna propel the business or serve people, it would be the latter. Now, hopefully I don't have to choose and I could do both, but running, uh, I'm very committed to, but CLS and, and my fiance and my family, like no, I, w- I won't sleep if need be. And, and so there's even a third layer for those that are obsessed. And I, I know obsessed sometimes can come across as negative, but I think if you want to do something really special, obsession in, in a good manner, in, in the right capacity, is what it takes. And, and when you think of the all-time greats, like think of – you don't have to like these cats, but you can't deny they've been very successful. Arnold Schwarzenegger, Elon Musk, Walt Disney, Steve Jobs. I think it's safe to say those cats were all in. They were obsessed. So I, I would even take it a step further. There's interested, there's committed, and then there's all in. Burn the ships. I ain't going back. This is going to work or I'm going to die trying yeah exactly right so so where's the commitment more uh, whiskey or your beautiful fiance oh you oh, no, there's that gorgeous whiskey right now he's being an, an angel but make no mistake about it as soon as i have a really big podcast he could feel that energy he'll start barking he'll start going nuts 
<laughs> well, I'm, this is, I'm, I guess I'm glad today this isn't a really big podcast yet. <laughs> so he was going, he was going nuts like before you. I think he tired himself out. <laughs> and, and there was something else I saw you post about that I didn't understand the uh, phrase. What is the empty mile? Yeah. So if you want to separate yourself from the average or, or the competition, so to speak, you're going to go the extra mile, right? So like that was me staying up to two, three in the morning, the beginning of the pandemic, answering comments, stuff like that. But then, and there's there's a couple people there in the extra mile, people that really want it, right? And then there's the empty mile where it's just you, where you're going even further, whatever it takes, no matter what. I'm gonna separate myself, I'm gonna do even more work. I'm gonna stay to the office and make a couple more sales calls until they literally kick me out, right? That's the empty mile. And it's not very crowded there, that's the good news. Um, but but it takes a whole lot of all in and, and being committed to that. And that's a step further than the extra mile. And I think that uh, that's where, <coughs> excuse me, the guys you were talking about before, certainly Schwarzenegger is an empty mile guy. 100%. Yeah. True visionary. Yep. Um, you recently spoke to your group, Cultivate Lasting Symphony, which everybody should look into and join, uh, about starting a side hustle. Mm-hmm. And what we want to consider letting go of in order to create the life we want. Can you share a little bit about that with a side hustle and how to creating the life we want before I let you go? Yeah, absolutely. So in regards to a side hustle, if anyone on this call today or that's going to catch a replay doesn't love what they're doing, it's time to consider starting a side hustle. Or maybe you do like what you're doing, but you want to earn some more income. What can you do on the side to potentially generate some more income, right? And then maybe you find what you love and it ends up becoming not just a side hustle, but the main thing. And to answer that, I'm sure there's people out there right now like, well, I don't have the time. Do you really not have the time, right? Could you wake up a little bit earlier? Could, could you, after your nine to five, what do you do from five till 10? Maybe a little Netflix, could you possibly cut that out and spend an hour a day on Googling what are the top side hustles right now and start to learn more about them? Sure you could. So I would suggest anyone that's not happy with where they are or their finances to consider a side hustle. And in regards to what you have to let go of, there's five things very tangible that I want to give your audience today. And I think this will be very helpful for anything in life. And we talked about one of them earlier today. And 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 that's number one is caring what other people think. And, and I know that's easier said than done, but ultimately what other people think about you is none of your business. And if you really want to get to the next level, if you want to be the GOAT, like the greatest of all time, you can't be triggered by every single person. Number two is taking things personally, right? And we talked about that one also. So let's just say you're in sales, which everybody should be in some capacity, especially if you're listening to Jeff. If someone rejects you, that's fine. Thank you so much. On to the next one. As What do they say? Every no brings you closer to a yes, whatever the case may be. It's not like personal. How can I improve? And, and let me get to the next prospect. Number three is waiting for the right time. There's never going to be the right time. If you wait for the right time to do stand-up comedy, you'll never get started. If I waited for the right time to start CLS, I would never get started. I didn't even have a laptop for the first eight months of CLS. I was literally going like this with my phone with and just making content from an iPhone for eight months. Right? From what I'm, I'm not a dad yet, God willing, I can't wait to be, but from what my brother, my best friend is, I, and I'm, you probably agree, like it's never the, it's not the right time to have a kid. You do it, you figure things out, just like anything in life. Number three, or this might be number four, lost count, is waiting for the need to be perfect, right? It, it's, it's, you got to give yourself permission to be less than perfect. And, and you want an example? 
check out some of my early content from the beginning of CLS. It was not polished. By no means was it unbelievable content, but I was willing to take some messy action and understand that I'll improve. And my first speaking engagement by no means was a masterclass on how to speak effectively, but you give yourself permission to be less than perfect. Everybody was once a beginner. And number five, and I think this was the most important for me when I really pivoted, was let go of trying to be something you're not. And for so long, I was inauthentic. I would show up to the world in the way that I thought that they wanted me to be and, and how I wanted them to perceive me. And that was this, Wall Street guy, I'd make a certain amount of money. I had a pretty girlfriend that was not in alignment, and that was it. But the truth of the matter is, is once I let go of trying to be something I wasn't, when I started CLS, there was no guarantee that it would explode, but I made one guarantee to myself. And that was for the first time in my life, I would show up as the real raw, strange, weird, organic Craig Siegel. And I know that I wouldn't be for everybody and I don't even want to be, but the right people will gravitate and life will act as a true authentic filter and the wrong people will go other way. And ironically enough, or maybe not, for the first time when I started really showing up as me, my weird, strange catchphrase and my mannerisms referring to my haircut as my hair piece, all the things, that's when the world began to see me. And I think that's such an important lesson there because all of us are meant to be unique, to stand out, to do great things. Not even identical twins have the same fingerprints. We're all here for specific reasons. So showcase that. It doesn't mean you have to go on social media and show your whole life, but be authentic. Do the things that you want to do. If it's not a hell yes, it's a hell no. And stop trying to be something you're not. All the world really wants is for you to be who you truly are. And those five things are tangible. And I think they'll really help everybody elevate their life in a big way. Dude, I could listen to you all day. <laughs> I love every word that comes out of your mouth. And I especially like what you just said about, you know, it doesn't have to be perfect. Just get started. I, I participated in a personal development program for 10 years. Um, uh, it was originally called EST, and then it became the Landmark Forum. And one of the things that they said that stuck with me all these years is if you wait to drive into the city until all the lights are green, you're going to be waiting a very, very long time. Just sure. get going. And speaking of getting going, I'm sharing my screen right now. Could you tell people how do they reach you if they uh, want to get in touch with you, if they want to be part of Cultivate Lasting Symphony, if they want to get the book, The Reinvention Formula? Yes. So if anyone that catches this screen, you could take a picture of the barcode and it'll open up all the ways to connect with us. Anywhere you buy books, um, the reinvention formula, Barnes and Nobles, Amazon. If you grab the book before it comes out, which is August 15th, you get to join our launch team. A lot of bonuses, giveaways. We're reading the book in a private group before it ever comes out. And it also gives you access to the biggest virtual event we ever threw which typically costs five grand. And you get all that for just 26 bucks for the price of the book. Don't forget to go back to the reinventionformula.com and input your confirmation number. That way you get added. Anywhere you listen to podcasts, the CLS experience, catch us on social media at Craig Siegel underscore CLS. I love to interact. And if you like inspirational nuggets throughout the week, feel free to join our free texting community. Text 917-634-3796 and text the word Jeff. So I know that you heard it here and I love to interact. Please come say hello. And before we go, what, what's happening in Beverly Hills? Oh, that's right. So we're, we're doing one huge launch party for the book. Um, we love to throw live events. The last one was a huge success in New York City. And we're doing one in Beverly Hills on August 19th. Great people, great connections, networking, big ideas, also celebrating the, the launch of the book and so forth. And that's in LA slash Beverly Hills on August 19th. And then we're doing a book signing at the Grove in Beverly Hills the next day, August 20th. Um, so 
you can come to that as well. Um, you can definitely hit me up for more information on that. It's going to be really, really, really fun. And, and from my experience, going to events, meeting great people, that one idea, that one degree separation, that's the difference that makes all the difference in the world. Just a kid from New York with a hairpiece doing big stuff. I love it. <laughs> I love it, Craig. That's right. Well, th well, thank you so much, as always, for sharing your brilliance generously with us. If there's anything I can do to help you, please let me know. And I'll end as I always do, guys. Please remember that sales is a game of making things happen. So get out there and make sales happen. And if you're around, please join us tomorrow. Our guest is Vic Rajan. He's a uh, marketing maven, and you'll, you'll want to hear from that. Craig, thank you so much. Have a great one. Thanks, everybody. Thank you, buddy. Love you. Right back at